We're going to be over in Numbers chapter 13 today. Paul Harvey tells a story about a three-year-old boy who went to the grocery store with his mother. Some of you might be able to relate to this. Before they entered the grocery store, she said to him, Now, you're not going to get any chocolate chip cookies. Don't even ask. So she put him in the cart, and he sat, you know, in the little kid's little spot on the, on the, on the uh, cart as you're pushing it on through. And as they were going through the aisles, they came into the chocolate chip cookie aisle. And so the little boy stood up in the cart, and he said, Mom, can I please have some chocolate chip cookies? Mom said, I told you before you came, you were not going to have any chocolate chip cookies. Sit on down and behave. So the little boy sat down, wandered on through the store. Well, they came about, you know, as you're going on through, sometimes you forget some things. And so they had forgotten some things that led them back into the chocolate chip cookie aisle. And as they came on through, he stood up in the cart again. And he said, Mom, may I please have some chocolate chip cookies? His mom said, I told you before, you're not going to have any chocolate chip cookies. Now sit down. Well, the little boy sat down. They finished their grocery shopping, went to the checkout counter. And the little boy, feeling that this was his last chance, stood up in the grocery cart and said with a loud voice, In the name of Jesus, may I please have some chocolate chip cookies? Well, there was some laughter about the grocery store. In fact, some even applauded. (laughs) The little boy and his mom left with 23 boxes of chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) Well, as we were looking at last week, if you don't make the call for it, you don't get it, right? We've got to sometimes make the call for those things that, that, we, that we need, that the Lord Jesus has taught us about. Last week, as we were looking at that, we ended up with four things. Know the Word, believe the Word, speak the Word, and do the Word. We saw a heathen king who had more confidence in the power of the Word spoken by a man of God than he did in his army. And that we today, New Testament believers, sometimes do not have as much confidence in the Word of God the spoken Word of God, as a heathen king did in the Old Testament. Before that, we looked at James chapter 1, verse 23. And if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone, thinks, if anyone among you thinks he is religious, does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. We saw that one who is not a forgetful hearer is one who continues. You are one who continues as long as you don't stop. As soon as you stop, you become a forgetful hearer. As we said, a forgetful hearer is not, is not one who didn't hear. They may even have walked in it for a time, but they did not continue. So what causes forgetful hearing? Do you remember? Difficulty? Dissuaded? Disbelief? Disregard? Neglect? Lack of understanding? Or failure? Uh, I tried that before. In Romans 10, verses 9 through 11, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, 
One believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. As doubts in your head do not, do not prevent you from, from having what you say, so too belief in your head will not bring it about. What we had to do was understand the difference between believing in our heart compared to believing with our head. And as we look at this, we're going to look at today that there's a certain missing trait that head faith lacks, that heart faith has. We're going to look at that trait and it's going to help you be able to determine, am I believing with my head or am I believing with my heart? We're going to look at a couple of folks before we get into the scripture I gave you. In Genesis chapter 15, we see that in this section, Abraham is missing something. He's missing the, this trait that distinguishes heart faith from head faith. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shared, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my... Now, indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you were able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Remember, we looked at Abraham before, and God would take him over to look at the stars. God took him over to look at the sand on the sea. He's trying to put a picture. We need to see what God is going to do. A lot of times we can't see it. You talk to people and you say, Can you, what's God going to do? Well, I hope that this might happen. No, you've got to be able to see it. You've got to envision it. God's taking them outside. Look up in the sky. Do you see all those stars? That's how your descendants are going to be. I want you to envision it. I want you to picture it. I want you to see this happening. But as soon as God says, do not, uh, as soon as the Lord comes to him, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Immediately, Abram says, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? Of all the blessings that God had given him, he's not real happy because he's missing one. God promised it to him, but it hasn't come yet. And he's basically focusing on the one thing that's missing. I have no heir that is born in my house or the born, born to me. This trait is missing from Abram in this story. In Daniel chapter 2, we're going to see that this, present, this trait is present with Daniel. When Daniel goes before the, the king and he says, How come you all are, ki are killing all the wise men? And they give him the story as to why. You know, no one could interpret it or no one could tell him the dream and then interpret it. And he says, look, give me it tomorrow. I'll have the dream for you. One more. These are all stories we looked at. Peter on the water. Matthew 14. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So we see that Peter here doubted. Daniel did not doubt. And Abraham did doubt. But Peter here didn't start out doubting, but he ended up that way. So he must have had something going on that brought him into the area of head faith 
Because he started out in heart faith. He was walking on the water. How many of you have done that? <laughs> I really don't know of anybody else outside of Jesus and Peter who did this. We were listening to somebody this week and we were in the shop and they were bringing out the, the fact that this is kind of a ridiculous statement that Peter made. Lord, if it is you, command me to come and I'll come. And his point was that if it wasn't the Lord and he said come, what's going to happen? <laughs> well, it's just something to think about. But we saw that Peter, when he walked out on the water to go to Jesus, that he began to look at the wind, which was boisterous, and he was afraid, and he began to sink, he cried out. So at the beginning, he wasn't afraid, but then he became afraid. Too many times, folks, we start out in the area of heart faith, but then we begin to look at the things going on around us. The wind, what's wind do? Makes noise. Doesn't noise attract our attention? How many of you all have little dogs? How many of you all know they can hear stuff you cannot hear? Even stuff that didn't actually happen. You know it didn't happen. Nothing happened. But that dog heard it. And that dog is, a, is a up and ready to take someone's head off. Because someone made a noise. We just laugh at our little dog when he does that sort of stuff. Just like, come on. It's real funny when you're watching a TV show and the doorbell goes off on the TV. His little ears perk up. He jumps up. He was all comfortable before. He perks up. He jumps up. He's ready. He's, he's going to bark at the people at the front door. They're not there. They're on the TV. But we can't tell him that. He's going to do what he's going to do. We don't like noises. And when, when things begin to make noise, when the news people begin to make noise in a certain area, when people make noise in our job, when make people make certain kind of noises about things in our neighborhood, it begins to get our eyes off where we should be, and we're focusing on something else. And we started out walking on the water, but all of a sudden we're not walking on the water, we're sinking. Because fear came in. Because we heard something. We saw something. Somehow we got distracted on this thing. So what trait was present at first for Peter that disappeared? So I began to ponder on these stories because our goal here is to find out, how can I know if I am in heart faith or head faith? Because for a lot of us, we're not, telling, we're not doing a good job telling. We think we're believing with our heart. We're actually believing with our head. We know that it's really easy for, for doubts. A doubt in my head is one that I'm thinking about. A doubt in my heart is one that I speak with my mouth. But it seems to be a little bit more involved because there are people who are believing with their head and say all kinds of stuff, right stuff with their mouth. So it isn't quite that easy to just put it in there. So what is it that's missing? Because here we hear in the story with Peter, we have a man who went from walking on the water to sinking. With Abraham, we had a man who eventually became a man of faith. As soon as God says, How you doing, Abraham? Walk before me and be blessed. He complains. He's got to smoke focus on something different. So here's the word I came down to. Expectation. Expectation of the promise. Expectation is a huge difference between head faith and heart faith. And we want to show you why. For Abraham, he expected the promise to fail. He expected the promise to fail because it has failed for a long time. There's been no child born to his house. His wife has not gotten pregnant. I heard all this stuff about being a father of many, many nations. About being a father of many. But I'm not seeing results so far. He's expecting the promise to fail. So when God comes and renews the promise with him, what's he talk about? 
It's failure. Why? Because he expects it to fail. It has failed. I'm getting older. She's getting older. It's probably going to continue to fail. That's his expectation. Have you ever done something or walked in a way expecting it to fail? Just because you should probably do it. Maybe you're out of something that you need. It's a holiday. It's past the time you thought the store was open till. You expected the store is probably closed, but you went anyway. <laughs> That's the kind of thing we see with Daniel. For, Dan, for, for, for Abram. For Daniel, he expected God to deliver what was needed. I need to know what the dream was. I need to know the interpretation of it. He expected it. And he said to the man, he said, give me it tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll tell you what it is. He expected it, didn't he? He expected that answer to come. For Peter, he expected to walk in the water. Why else would he jump out? He expected to walk in the water, but then something happened, didn't it? He expected to walk in the water until he saw the, and heard the wind and the waves were coming around. And all of a sudden, he went from expecting to walk on the water to expecting to sink. Our expectation is a huge difference on this. We need to find out some of the differences of it. So we're going to go, once again go to a familiar story. You all know this story. We've talked about it in the past. Not going to probably uncover anything new in the story. But we are going to try and relate it to this part. In Numbers chapter 13, we're going to pick up in the middle of the chapter in verse 17. This is a story when they went over to Canaan and they sent out the spies. I'm skipping by all the parts of who the spies were because you really don't care that much right now. <laughs> So if you want to know who the spies were that were sent in, you can go to the chapter, the verses before, verse 17, where we're picking up, and you can find out who they were. But we're going to pick up here in verse 17. Then Moses sent them out to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Now here's their commission. Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like. Whether the people, now not just generally see what it's like, he's giving them specific instructions. And there are six instructions. Whether the people who dwell in the land are strong or weak. That's the first one. Are they strong or are they weak? Are they few or are they many? Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad. Whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds. Whether the land is rich or poor. And whether there are forests there or not. Now, most of those are pretty easy to figure out. Why he wants to know about the forests, I'm not sure. But he wants to know if there's forests there or not. Maybe some places that they can get into and not be as easily seen. Whatever the reason, those are the things that they want to know about. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now, the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So we understand what this is what they are told to do. This is what I need you to do. Six things. First off, go out and see what the land is like. And he gives them the six specific things that I'm looking for. And then after all that, bring back some fruit. Verse 21. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through south and came to Hebron, Ahimon, Shishai, Tamai, and the descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt, in case you were wondering. 
Then they came to the valley of Eshcol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. Yeah, that's some big grapes. I mean, how many of those do you need for our Welches? They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. Well, I wonder how big they were. The place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. Now, this was an abundant land. And when Israel took the, took the land, they had an abundance as well. They continued it. When Israel was kicked out of land, the land became desolate. This abundant land became desolate. And it stayed desolate until Israel took it back again. Then they turned it once again into an abundant place. And then when they lost it again, they, uh, it became desolate. When they took it back, it was a land that no one wanted. It was a desolate land. When they took it back, they turned it once again into a prosperous land where it produced great, amount, great amounts of food. Now all of a sudden, people want it again. When Israel's there, it's especially prosperous. Verse 25, And they returned from spying out the land after forty days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and, all, and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Well, they were supposed to bring back fruit, so they showed them the fruit. And they told them and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Now, do they report on all they were sent for? They pretty much do. Except, they put a little extra evaluation into the people. They were told to see if they were strong or weak. They came back and said they were. That's what they were supposed to do. They were told to say, is, are they fortified cities or are they more like villages? Well, they're fortified cities, very large fortified cities. That's what they were supposed to do. What they were not supposed to do was judge the kind of people. Well, there's the giants there and you know they're, we can't beat them. They weren't supposed to do that. They were not supposed to make this comparison as to how do we stack up against them? How are their strengths and weaknesses compared to our strengths and weaknesses? They're not told to evaluate the inhabitants or compare the strengths. But they broke it all down. Well, there's this kind of people up here and this kind of people and the sons of Anak and all these different ones. And Well, all they had to do was start ratting off all these names and the people got a little upset. Verse 30, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Well, if you have to quiet the people, that's, there's a murmur. There's, can you imagine getting two to four million people to quiet down? Whew. I mean, you've matched a small group of 30, 40 people. Two to four million people. Come on, guys, quiet down, quiet down. <laughs> Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Now, this is where they are not to get into. They were not to evaluate whether they could take it or not. But they decided to get into that, that area. It's a good thing we don't make any decisions like that. Isn't it? I mean, sometimes we got this idea that it's a sin to go to the doctor. It's not a sin to go to the doctor. You can go to the doctor all you want to. 
you can do some of the things the doctor says to do. Your faith always must be in God. And if the doctor comes and gives you an evaluation, well, you're up against this, you cannot ever evaluate yourself and say, well, I can't overcome that. Because you can through God. That's a wrong interpretation. It wasn't wrong to send out the spies. You know, when Israel comes back again, they send out spies a second time. They just don't send out one from each tribe. They send out two. I guess they figure, you know, we sent out 12 before, two were good. Let's just send out two this time. Let's just make sure it's the two that are good. Or just send them out. So they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone has, as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it were are men of great stature. Verse 33. There we saw the, the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were we in their sight. Now, of course, we all know this is supposition on their end that the people of the land were afraid of them because they saw and heard many of the miraculous things that had gone on. How God opened up the Red Sea. That got them shaken. How God provided water. How God defeated certain armies before them. So all the congregation in uh, chapter 14, verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. Why are they weeping? I mean, what, what makes you weep? When you get something you don't want. When a result comes that you didn't like. So that's what they're saying. This is, we weren't expecting this. We didn't like this result. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had died in this wilderness. Now, they didn't like the idea of dying in Egypt when they were in Egypt. When they were in the wilderness and they had opportunity to die, they didn't like the idea of dying in the wilderness either. But now that they're approaching the promised land, well, let's just go on back there and die. It's always easy to go back, isn't it? <laughs> oh, let me go back to how things were. You ever felt that way? You know, you get to college, and college is tough. How many of y'all know college was tough? Oh, let me go back to high school. And when you were in high school, you thought high school was tough. Right? I mean, high school was the hardest thing you'd ever been to up to that point. Oh, I wish I was back in junior high. And when you first got into junior high, you probably thought, oh, I wish I'd go back to elementary school. It was so much better there. This is so big. <laughs> and then you get out of college and then you get into the working world. And then what do we say? Oh, I wish, wish I was back in college. That was so much fun. <laughs> and then we get out into the working field and we get a job. And then we find a better job. And so we take the better job and then what do we say? Oh, I wish I had that old job back. I like that job. How often do we, have we done that? Well, it's so easy to go backwards. It's so easy to look at where things were and say, oh, I wish, I wish I could go back to that. It was so much easier there. It was so much better. That was just, oh, it was this, it was that. You know, you hear people talking about old cars. Have you ever heard people talking about old cars? They like the old cars, all oh, the old cars. Oh, I'm, oh, one of those old Mustangs, one of those old Ford trucks, one of those old whatever it was that you had. Oh, we think about all those things. But you know what? We think that until you drive one. Because, you know, you get in some of those old cars, they don't handle the way the new ones do. They don't have power windows. They don't have air conditioning. They don't have a CD player. They don't have an MP3 jack. They don't have GPS. They don't have climate control. They don't have heated seats. They're noisy. 
they they use more gas. So much easier to go backwards and think about those things. But I'll tell you what, you get into the new car, whatever model that you have, it's got a whole lot. You sit inside there. Oh, this feels not. Oh, this feels good. Going backwards is not always good. Sometimes it looks more inviting, but it's not always good. Don't always look at it going backwards. You're where you are. Father God, what do you want me to do now? Where do you want me to go now? I'll bet you Peter wanted to go back. You start sinking in the water, what do you want to do? Oh, I wish I was back in the boat. <laughs> yeah, we all get there. They're in Egypt, they want to get out. They're in the wilderness, they want to go back to Egypt. They get over the promised land, they want to go back to the wilderness. We always are discontent. It's, it's human nature to be discontent with where you are. Shake that off. Don't give in to that. You're falling into the same problem these guys did. And we look at this story how many times and say, Oh, we sh- sure I'm glad I don't do that sort of stuff. Verse 3, why has, the, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? Now, we've never asked that kind of a question, have we? Why has the Lord brought me here to do this? Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Imagine this. Two to four million people are going to select somebody. You all need us back. We're all going to march on back. How are you going to get across the Red Sea? Do we think about that? We had God helping us get over here. How are you going to get back? We're all swimming. I don't know how they're planning on getting back. Then they're going to, two to four million people marching on Egypt. What do you think Egypt's going to be thinking about that? Well, you know, they really did a job on us before when they were here. We lost all of our firstborn and they're marching against us. What do you think we ought to do? They don't think too far ahead. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces, verse 5, before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. Not just a good land exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us into the land and give it to us. A land which flows with... Now, I know that's an expression, (laughs) but I don't know if I want to live in a place that flows in milk and honey. I mean, milk gets sour. smells. Right? Honey, what can you do with that? I mean, you want want to sweeten some stuff, but I don't want to swim in honey. I want to swim in water. But I understand it's just a phrase that they used to how things were abundant there. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Too many times, folks, we come up to something new, something that God wants us to lead us into, and we become afraid, scared, because it's not quite working out the way we want it to. It's not quite going forward the way we want it to go forward, and we become we feel inferior to the thing. And instead of standing up against it, we back off. That's exactly what these folks are doing. Now look at what he says. Do not rebel against the Lord. How many of you would blatantly want to rebel against the Lord? No. I don't know that these folks really would, but this is what they're saying. Don't rebel against the Lord. To not go where He's leading you is to rebel. Nor fear the people of the land. 
Don't rebel against the Lord or don't fear the people of the land. How many times have we become in fear of the people around us, of the things that are going on around us? Don't, don't do it. Don't fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do you understand that? That anyone who comes against you, their protection is gone. Their protection is gone. You could be in a job, moving up in a company, and somebody not like you because of your stand for Jesus. And they could say, we're going to get you fired. They may even think that in their head. We're going to get you fired. And they come against you. And you might run in fear. Or you might say, oh dear, their protection has departed from them. What a shame. And stand there, not rebel against the Lord, not be in fear of the people, but just realize that person is probably going to lose their job. They get, may get moved to another area. Somebody else might get moved into the area with me. And they might promote me. <laughs> Don't be afraid. He says, Do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. There is no reason any Christian, any believer, should ever fear anyone or anything. If we are walking in fear, we're missing it. These people were walking in fear. Now, they were giant people that they were fearing. But God still says, no, don't do it. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. That's a way to take care of your problems, right? Stone the guy who's telling you not to do it. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. So they're all getting ready to stone the guy with stones. You've got two to four million people who want to stone you with stones. If all of them pick up one. <laughs> oh, that's a lot, isn't it? That's a whole lot of stones coming your way. So what's the Lord do? He shows up. The glory of the Lord appeared. And apparently they could see it. Now that will get your attention. Especially if you're rebelling against God. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? How long... Will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? With all the signs which I have performed among them, I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. Who's he making that promise to? Moses. Moses, look. You've been following, you've been doing a good job. I'm just going to, let's just wipe out this whole group, and let's just start over with you. I'm okay with that. Because you're still a descendant of Abraham. We can still make the whole thing work. Look at what the Lord says. How long will these people reject me? How long will these people reject me? If we walk in fear of where God is leading us, if we walk in rebellion to what God has said to do, the first thing out of his mouth, the Lord's mouth is, how long will these people reject me? That's the first thing he says. What's the second thing? And how long will they not believe me? How long? Apparently, God puts up with not believing him for a time. But he says, how long will this go on? With all the signs which I have performed among them, 
How long will they not believe me with all the signs that I have performed among them? Now, you could be sitting there saying, well, he never parted the Red Sea for me. I never got water out of a rock. I never got manna from heaven. Yeah, but God has done some things in your life, hasn't He? So how is it that every time we come up to a new situation, our tendency is, well, I'll just believe what the doctor said. I'll just believe what the economist said. I'll just go in fear of what happens over here. Don't be in fear. Quit being in fear of the thing. How many of y'all got in fear every time the gas starts getting near four dollars in that gallon? Now there was some bozo who's in Congress who went, no, what was it? Was it was the um, Chrysler Corporation chief who decided that it'd be a good idea? I think it was Chrysler. I don't think it was GM. I think it was it may, no, it may have been GM. Thought it was a good idea to have a dollar t- gas tax, an increase, just add a dollar to the gas tax. Now, first off, why does the government deserve a dollar? More than what they already get. Why? What are they doing? But his idea for doing it was so they could sell more Chevy Volts. Because apparently they've only sold a couple hundred. So if we increase the gas tax, then more people are going to go for the electric car. So we can get in fear about that sort of stuff. But you don't need to be. Don't serve, don't, don't be viewing that you're just a small guy. Now, we talked last time, you know, if you need stuff, call for it. It doesn't just mean, well, I'm going to call for money and then money's just going to show up at my door. I'm going to open my door and there's money outside. Money be in the mailbox and, and all this sort of stuff. It doesn't necessarily have to be. I'm not saying that God can't have people send you money. I'm not saying that won't happen. But what generally happens? What the Word of God promises? That the work of your hand will be blessed. Promotion at work. Raise. Extra sales. Greater commissions. Whatever it is that you have. God can increase it because the work of your hands <laughs> will be blessed. So look for it and speak to it. I mean, you can sit there and call for these things, but then speak to it. Business, you're blessed. Business, you're going to double. Responsibilities at work, they're going to see what I'm doing and they're going to give me more responsibilities and they're going to pay me for it. Speak to these things. Don't just sit down back there and say, well, whatever happens, happens. Whatever goes on, goes on. No, no more than you would if, when, like we were talking about last week, when you call for your son or your daughter to come into the room because they're not there, to come in the house because they're not in the house, and you call them, Steve! You call for them to come on in, or you call for the dog. You don't sit there and say, well, the dog's not here, I can't call for it. Well, how are you going to get the dog here? How are you going to get the child here if you don't call for it? How are you going to do it? Well, we'll just see what God does. No, <laughs> you go out and you make a call for the thing. But you've got to speak to the things directly. What is it that you need to have happen in your business? What is it you need to have happen in your, in your job? What is it that will be a blessing for you on that thing? And speak to it. Don't just take what you're handed. Speak to it. Father God, I thank you that I am good at what I do. My boss is going to see it. His boss is going to see it. And I'm going to get promoted. I am good at what I do because I serve you and I've given my all to it. So other people are going to see that and they're going to send business my way. Whatever it might be. You speak to your business. You speak to your job as you need to do. Don't just sit there and call for the thing to come. Tell it how it's going to come. Remember Jesus said in His teaching in Mark 11, He who says that His mountain be removed and be cast into the sea does not doubt in his heart but believes that what He says will be done. Well, you've got to speak to the mountain. 
to be picked up and planted into the sea and cast into the sea. You don't just say, mountain, go. Sea, come. You speak to it. You have a path. There's a path that's there. So, we need to break this down. How can we identify the expectation that we have? How is it that we identify the type of expectation that is here? How can I know whether I have expectation that sets my faith apart as being heart faith or do I have expectation that sets my faith apart as being head faith? Because head faith has an expectation. Heart faith has an expectation. Did Abraham have expectation? He expected to fail. Did Daniel have expectation? He expected to succeed. Did Peter, when he got off the boat, have an expectation? Did he also have an expectation when he began to sink? He expected to keep on going down. (laughs) Didn't want to, but he expected to keep on going down. This is a wrong expectation. So, head faith will have an expectation. Heart faith will have an expectation. How can I tell whether I'm in heart faith or not? Is that that not an important thing for us to know? Because the goal here is to get into heart faith. How many people ever looked up that book by E.W. Kenyon? Two kinds of faith. Anybody look it up? No? Okay, not interested. Good book. Brother Hagen loved it. Brother Hagen used to tell us about it. I, I know I've gotten it. And I've read it before. I, have, I know it's available on Amazon because I did look it up. It is available on Amazon. Uh, probably some other places, though, you can find it as well. I didn't say get all his books. I know there's a few of them out there that are a bit out in left field. I don't know which ones they are. Don't come to me and ask me which ones they are. I just know which ones are good. That's all I know. But that was one of them. Expectation. Identification. How do I identify the right kind of expectation? Now, we're going to relate this to a weather report. How many of you have ever listened to a weather report? Sometimes it's about the only reason you know you turn on the Internet for the reason of looking up the weather. I need to know what's going on with the weather. You know, we're delivering bunk beds. We need to know what's happening with the weather. Especially if we're doing one where the back is open. Beds are exposed. We need to know what's going on with the weather. So we look at the weather map. We pull up the weather map. And we look at the you know, you know, weather map's great. How did people live without being able to look at weather maps? You want to go back to that? When, oh, I'll tell you what. Weather maps are great. You pull it right on up there and you get a, a picture of, of where that thing is and then how it's moving. How it's moving. Which, which direction is it going? Is it going in my direction? Is it going to be in the direction of where I'm driving to? What do I have to expect in this thing? And, and so we're going to relate it to, to weather because just about all of us have looked at the weather. Sometimes we like the weather report. Sometimes we don't like the weather report. But we've all looked at the weather. We know what to expect. We know what's coming. We know that sometimes the weather people get it wrong. But anyway, we're going to relate it to that. For five things here. Five, five, five traits that expectation will have that will tell us this is the kind of expectation we want. First off is anticipation. When you have heart faith for something that God has said, you are anticipating that the arrival of that thing. You are looking forward to that thing arriving, much like you did at Christmas time. And you, were, you asked for something, maybe when you were little, maybe when you are grown up, you asked your spouse, you asked your parents, you know, when you were little, whatever it was, you asked for a certain thing, and if they said, all right, we'll do that, did you not have an anticipation of that thing coming. 
And now that anticipation, you didn't doubt that that thing was coming, did you? You look forward to that thing. You anticipated that coming. How many can think back to some vacations that you went on? You had the vacation planned. You knew where you were going. You anticipated the day of the arrival of the vacation day. Well, you're getting on a plane, driving in a car, wherever was you're going. You couldn't wait to get to this place. You anticipated. Oh, you look forward to the day that you got there. Oh, this is going to be good. Anticipation. When you anticipate the arrival of what it is that God promised. Now, go back to Abraham. Is Abraham anticipating the arrival? Yeah, right. What else are you going to give me? I don't have a kid yet. Are we anticipating the arrival of the thing? <laughs> so, he's in. Head faith. Not heart faith. We're not anticipating the arrival of that thing. We've got to get to that place where we are anticipating it. Joseph had to anticipate the arrival of the promise of God for some 17 years. That's a long time. Israel had to anticipate the arrival of the deliverance and the leading off into the promised land for 400 years, they were told. Ended up being 430 that's some anticipation in it. Israel, all of Israel anticipated the arrival of Messiah. They all knew the time is now. Is he here yet? They're looking. They're looking for Messiah because they believed in their heart the Messiah was come. They didn't know exactly what he was going to do. They had that part messed up, but they believed he was coming. How many of y'all anticipate the coming of Jesus Christ? Oh, do we sit there and just kind of look at that and say, oh, this world is just terrible. I cannot wait until Jesus comes and pulls me out of this thing and then we go on into heaven and we just have a good old time. Oh, this is going to be good. Are we anticipating? Yes. We are looking forward to the arrival of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Anticipation. Number two, belief. Not only do I anticipate, but I believe that that thing has happened. Anticipation without belief is just wishful thinking. If you have anticipation without belief, you just have wishful thinking. You just wish, I hope something like that would come. Well, yeah, that sure would be nice if that were to come. How many of you all have ever, maybe in an area of a car, thought a new car was coming out? How many of you have ever anticipated the opportunity to have that car? But there's no belief in a way of which it would come. So it's wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. But when you have anticipation... With belief, now you've got hard faith. I anticipate that it's coming. I believe that it's coming. Abraham was to anticipate the arrival of his son and was to believe that the promise of God was going to come about. First two things. Anticipate. Believe. Third, confession. A, B, C so far. Anticipate, believe, and confess. We need to have that confession. If you anticipate the arrival of a thing and you believe it's really going to happen, what happens to your confession? (laughs) Are you not talking about it? What's Abraham supposed to be doing with the promise of God? Sarah, 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 come here, come here, come here. Guess what? We're going to have a whole mess of kids. They're going to be like the stars of the heavens. But we don't have any yet. That's okay, that's okay. It's coming. I know it's coming. I believe it's coming. You're going to begin to talk about this thing. Just like when you were little and you were going to get that 10-speed bicycle. What would you say to your friends? Oh, I can't wait. Christmas is coming. I'm going to get a 10-speed bicycle. 
I'm going to get that race car set. I'm going to get whatever it's going to be. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, I anticipate it. I believe it. And I begin to talk to all the people around me that this thing is coming. When the people were anticipating Messiah coming, they believed that He was coming. What were they doing amongst themselves? They were talking about Messiah coming. Messiah is coming. Messiah is coming soon. Do you think He's born yet? Do you think He's here? Do you think this is Messiah? When John came on the scene, what did they think about Him? Maybe this is the Messiah. We've been looking for Him. They're talking about it with each other. If you have heart faith, you are anticipating the promise of God being fulfilled. You believe in the promise of God being filled and you are talking about it. You are confessing it. You are talking about it with people. You can't wait to talk about it some more. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ is coming again for His church? How many are anticipating it? How many of you talk about it to other people? Why? (laughs) Because you have heart faith on the thing. You anticipate, you believe, and you confess. You confess, you talk about it. And here's one that's real close to but just a little bit different declaration. I declare it all over the place. I'm letting you all know I'm getting a 10-speed bicycle. I want you all to know Jesus Christ is coming again. I want you all to know my new car will arrive. <laughs> Don't we declare it? We, we, we declare something. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just telling you. This is happening. Before we confess, we're talking about it with people. But here, I, I'm just declaring it. This is going to happen. Yeah, but you don't know that Jesus Christ is coming. I mean, there's just that group over there. I thought May 21st was the day. I don't care about that group over there. I'm telling you right now. Jesus Christ is coming. He is coming. Tribulation is coming. And you're going to be left behind. So when you're here, get ready. Because I won't be. I'll be gone. When you see that I'm gone, no one knows where I went to. And you come on out to the church I went to. It'll be empty. When you see all that happening, you'll, you'll know. What are you doing? You are declaring to them, this is so. You anticipate, you believe, you confess, you declare. This is going to happen. And here's the, here's the final one. And again, all five of these need to be going on. You can't skip on one of these things. All five of these things need to be going on. Here's the fifth one. Desire. And Jesus taught us in Mark chapter 11. He says, whatsoever things you desire. <laughs> if you don't want it, folks, you're not going to have heart faith for it. You've got to want it. You've got to desire it. Because there's a whole lot of things that we believe could happen. Anticipate their arrival. Even talk about it to people. Make declarations to people about it. But we don't desire it. What kind of thing would that be? Well, when the flu season gets here, what are people doing? Anticipating the flu's arrival. Believe that they will get sick. Confess, I know I'll get it. I know I'll get it. Don't you give it to me. You got it. You stay away from me. I know I'll get it. They make those declarations. But they don't desire the thing, do they? (laughs) I don't want it. I don't want it, but I believe this is going on. This is not the kind of heart faith that God wants us to have in the Word of God. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. You will have them. Anticipation, belief, confession, declaration, and desire. A, B, C, double D. Help you to remember it. A, B, C, double D. Now, look at it toward the, toward the weather. I can anticipate the weather. How many have ever seen storms coming? And we can anticipate the storm's arrival. I can believe 
in the weather report that I got it from because they maybe the source I'm using, they've generally been pretty good. I can talk about it to people. Hey, did you hear about the storm coming? Get ready, the storm's coming. How many do that with your neighbors? Did you see the storm coming? My neighbors sometimes come over, there's a storm coming. Really? I better check that out. Sure enough, there's a storm coming. We may make declarations. That storm's going to be here at 3 o'clock. I timed it out. I looked at it. It's going to be here at 3 o'clock. You better get ready. Get all your stuff done because that storm's going to be here at 3 o'clock. But you know what? We don't want it. <laughs> we don't want that storm. That storm has tornadoes and high winds and nasty stuff going on. I don't want it. But I believe it's coming. Hard faith in the things of God, folks, need to have anticipation, belief, confession, declaration, and desire. You need to want it. You need to believe what God's Word said is going to happen. You need to anticipate it. You need to confess it and make declaration. This is going to happen. Too often, we're in head faith and we only got a couple of these things going on and we think we're in heart faith. And how you can tell is, I am in heart faith because I'm anticipating the promise of God, but I don't necessarily believe it's going to happen for me. Therefore, my confession is altered. And my declaration is not present. But I desire the thing. I want the promise of God. Just take the area of sickness and disease. I anticipate sickness and disease could come my way. I have a belief maybe in the thing the doctor said. The doctor said this about me. I believe that. I begin to talk to people and my belief in what the doctor says taints my confession. What's going on? Well, I feel okay, but the doctor says, huh, what do I declare? Well, I don't know. If that comes on me, I guess I'll... We list whatever condition they, they told us about. So that's where we get off on these things. Just because you want the thing to happen doesn't mean that you're in hard faith. You've got to desire. You've got to want it to happen. You've got to anticipate it. Well, you are expecting any day now this thing is... Is mine. Any day now, this thing is coming. I am anticipating. Well, that's hard to do. Not if you're in heart faith. Not if you really believe with your heart this thing is coming about. I got to believe in the promise that God gave me. I got to begin to talk about it to other people and make declaration about it. Stop making declarations contrary to what you say you believe. Now, if you want to have heart faith, look at this list. Go back to these stories. Compare it to some of the other stories that are in the Word of God that you know about. Did they anticipate? Did they believe? Did they confess? Was there declarations made? Do they desire the thing? Because that's where we need to be. You get those things lined up, folks. You will be in heart faith. And there's no doubt that you can have whatever it is that you need. Because Jesus said, when he taught us about this, that how many things would be impossible to you? Two? Three? Four? How many things? Then why don't we live like that? Why is it that we keep finding things that are impossible to us? We keep finding things that are beyond... Well, I don't know if God will do that. If you can take a mountain and cast it into the sea, how come you can't change something on your job? How come you can't change something in your body? We were listening to somebody today. They were, um, they were talking about some, some things in the... In, in the word, it was a good statement. I, I went and I wrote it down. I even forget who said it. Who I, you may remember who said this thing, we were, but we were both listening to this. They, they said, if you, 
If you tell your body, yes, 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 to everything that it, that it wants, and then try and tell your body no to sickness and disease, you'll fail. I thought, oh, yeah. I'm not quite getting it 100%. I wrote it down, but I didn't, didn't bring it in here with me. We can't keep going around saying whatever we want to to our body. Our body wants to think on negative things. Our body wants to believe wrong things. Our mind wants to believe wrong things. I can't keep saying yes, yes, yes to all this. And then when it comes to sickness and disease, say no, no, no. Your body doesn't rule you. You've got to tell your body something. How many of you all know just because your, your body says, oh, I feel sick today? What does that mean? It means I speak to my body. I get it in line. Smith Wigglesworth used to be uh, quoted on this. I think somebody came in and asked him, Hey, Smith, how you doing? And Smith got mad. He says, I don't ask Smith Wigglesworth how he's doing in the morning. I tell him. <laughs> I tell him. we got to do a little more telling. Too often, not walking in those kind of things. Tell your, yourself. I tell Steve how he's feeling today. How are you feeling today, Steve? You tell yourself that. Don't sit there and wait for, well, let me, give me an hour. Let me see how I'm doing. Let me see what's going on. No. Talk to yourself. Tell yourself what's going on. Anticipate the promise of God coming true for you. Believe that what God promised, He said, was yours. Confess. Talk about it to other people. Declare. Stand up and make declarations. I will not have that happen. This will go on. Declare some things. Well, if I do that, didn't the Word of God say in the verse we looked at that he who trusts in God will not be put to shame? Make declaration. What did David do when he came up to, to Goliath? Made a declaration. What did Jonathan do before he faced the Philistines? He made a declaration. How many other situations do you want to find in the Word of God where they made a declaration before they went into the battle? Before they went into the fight, before they went into the situation, they made a declaration. They said, this is what's going on. Because they believed in what God said. We've got to get that convinced that what God said is true. Because we've done the same thing in the area of salvation. We've done the same thing in the area of forgiveness. We've done the same thing in the area of, 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 of uh, heaven. All we're asking you to do, folks, is to transfer what you learned in all those areas over to these other things. I declare all the time, I'm going to heaven. I declare all the time, I'm forgiven. I declare all the time, I'm saved. I talk to people about my salvation. I talk to people about my place in heaven. I got no problem with that because I believe it in my heart. I've studied the Word. I anticipate His promise coming true. And you know what? I desire that it happens. I want it to happen. I can't wait to get to heaven. Look forward to it. Seeing what the mansion is going to be like that he's making for us. Oh, this is going to be good. This is what we want to do. But just like that weather report comes in, i got to believe first off in the source. i got to anticipate that weather coming in. I know when it's happening. If we're looking for rain, we are anticipating. We are looking forward to rain. If we're going down to the beach, we are anticipating. We are looking forward to sunshine. I begin to confess, talk about it with people. I make declaration, the rain is coming. And then I either desire it or don't desire it. But with the things of God, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. You will have them.
Can you see the missing ingredient with expectation? The God kind of expectation that needs to be there. How did you get there? How did you get to that kind of expectation with forgiveness? How did you get to that expectation with salvation? How did you get to that kind of expectation with your view of heaven? The same way you got there with those things is the same way you're going to get there with healing, moving mountains, speaking to situations, money needs, whatever else that God has promised you. Understand, God has had to have promised you. God has said the thing in the Word of God. There must be Scripture to stand on because first, before after, after the anticipation, there was belief. Again, it's not an order. This is just five things. You've got to believe it. You've got to go over the Word of God and over the Word of God and believe that what He said, what He promised, is yours. Don't be like Abraham. Well, what are you going to give me since I have no kid? Believe that what He says. Anticipate it coming. Confess. Talk about it to the people around you. Declare. This is going to happen. This giant is going down. And let it be something that you desire. Something that you want. It's real easy to believe in your heart for bad things to happen to you. You know that? Real easy to believe in your heart that you will get sick. It's harder to believe in your heart that I will stay well. Would you all stand up with me? Godly expectation. Godly expectation. Father God, we thank you for the word that you give us. For the Bible and what is written in that. That in that, the word of God, you have made promises to us. Just as you made promises to Abraham. Made promises to Joseph. Made promises to Jacob. Promises to David. So many people in the Word of God where you made promises to. And those who believed those promises with their heart, they saw results. And Father, we want to see results in our life because you desire them us to have these results. You desire us to be victorious over sickness and disease. You desire us to be victorious over situations with money. You desire us to be victorious situations at work situations that need wisdom and understanding. You desire that we be victorious. You desire that anything we set our hand to will be successful. That's your desire. That's your promise. So, Father, I thank you for your promises. I thank you for the help that you give us as we meditate on your word and we develop that belief, that confidence that what you said, what you promised, works for us. No matter what disease or sickness or money situation, or job problem, or neighborhood issue, or family situation, whatever it is that we face. We know what your word says, and we believe what your word promised us. Father, we thank you for it and give you the glory and the praise for it.